Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. To Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both, Mar- both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John. Yeah. It's it's that time of year, but you gotta make sure you don't let your kids eat too much pumpkin pie. You know why? Why? Because they might get autumniake. Oh, you know what's funny about that? N- nothing. But you know what, <laughs> what it reminds me of? <laughs> It reminds me of the fact that Alice Alice is actually allergic to pumpkin pie. Oh, and God, no. We, yeah, so Alice will love that joke because it does give her uh, autumniac and it makes her ah uh, vomit. So try to avoid the pumpkin pie in our house okay. as much as possible right. these days. Will Hank, do. Hank, yes. we've got to get to the yes. most important news of the week. Oh, I know it's so important. It's for been us. such a difficult Two years, there is no getting around it. But at last, finally, our long national nightmare is over and Apple has once more made a notebook computer with an SD card reader. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Um, I think it's been like four or five years. um, And I have this the computer I'm using right now is really not built to do what I'm doing with it. Yeah. And it is it has been it needs to be uh, sort of let out into the field where someone will not treat it as poorly as I do. John, (laughs) we, we bought this computer so fast. Yeah, um, Hank and I, you and I both. We, he, John called me, and I was buying the computer while he was buying the computer. We were like those Apple fanboys who <laughs> are trying to be one of the first six people to purchase the new MacBook. I was yeah, so ex- excited. <laughs> Except I'm not excited at all about the computer. I am excited oh. for them to give me back something I had before. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The computer seems fine. But all I care about is that SD slot card reader. Uh, that's that's the business. I've John, I have a friend who's who just bought the computer and hers is being delivered in December. We wow. got in good. Wow. We did. We did. We got there right at the very beginning. I, I Essentially, everyone who does what we do for a living... <laughs> Like everybody who edits video, but like not great, yeah. you know, like everybody who edits video at the sort of vlog brothers level. Yeah. Has been waiting for the Mac yes. notebooks to put an SD card slot reader back in. So this is a huge deal. No more dongles. I've spent no the last dongles. five years walking around my house saying to Sarah, hey, have you seen one of the dongles? Because I, at this point, I have like <laughs> seven like of, of them. them. Yeah. <laughs> but even having seven of them, I somehow am never Apparently. able to find one when I need one, which is every Ugh. single Tuesday. Yeah, no, John even bought a PC. He I, bought a PC laptop. I did. I, did. I have a <laughs> so Windows have SD card I have a Windows device like it was 1987. Yeah. Look, there's nothing wrong with Windows devices. And I almost did it, but instead I just bought a, a used MacBook. I actually really like this Windows machine, but that said, I'm really excited. So there's a there's a phrase in the world of keyboards, key action. This is the sound and the, uh-huh. and the yeah. travel that the is feel. involved in pressing mm-hmm. a key. Yeah. 
as you know, Hank, it's extremely important to me. I can't play the piano, but I can play the keyboard. And I like it to sound a certain way. I like to type at a certain speed and I like to hear a certain like rhythm to it. There's like, I, I, by the way, if I sound weird, it's because I'm on my camera microphone this week because I'm traveling. I'm in Alabama with my in-laws. And so right now, Hank, just to paint you a picture, I'm seated um, behind my wife's childhood bed, which is a double. Mm -hmm. And I am looking in to this camera, but I'm very backlit. So I don't look good, but that doesn't matter because it's not a video podcast. We're not like Rhett and Link out here trying to make YouTube podcasts. Just strictly, <laughs> this is strictly ear phenomenon. I, I, you know, I've thought about whether or not we should have a video podcast. We do, after all, have our roots in the moving image. It's true. But it would be really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Part of the charm of our podcast is that you can tell in a deep way that mm-hmm. it's just us and tuna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think setting up like a multicam, uh, like high quality with like lighting on me and then like cutting back and forth between us. Yeah. Th- that would that would be so far beyond my capabilities, both technically and in terms of the, the amount of available time I have. Yeah. Uh, although I will say, Hank. With this new super fast MacBook Pro, we're going to get hours of every week back. (laughs) I've been I've been wondering, like, when am I going to have time to write a novel? And the answer is with the with the computing power of this new MacBook Pro. One thing, there was just one thing standing in between. (laughs) That's yeah. You always know that when you feel like there's one tool standing between you and great creative endeavor, that that is actually the thing holding you back. Not any not any like mental block or anything. Exactly, it's always the tool. I will say that I've I have not been doing delete this because my laptop has gotten so slow um yeah. that it's it is it is um a real bear to edit on that computer so i am very excited about this i know that it's the stupidest nerdiest thing to be excited about and also like but like everybody everybody we know is excited has been taught yeah ha- like I mean, behind this, the scenes the has been whining about this for years the talk of the <laughs> if, town. in our particular town yeah it is our the weird talk little the town. town i've gotten to the point with my current computer where i have to when i'm editing a vlogbrothers video uh the way the way that the playback is it's so slow that i have to i just know that i have to edit two frames earlier than the sound because there's like a disconnect between the with the sound play and the video playback. Oh my god! And so nobody else could edit on this machine because you have to you have to have be carefully <laughs> you have attuned to, know that. <laughs> to the difference between the video and the yeah. audio. Yeah, it's like you learned how to play guitar on a on like a guitar that no one else owns in the whole world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like like two of the strings switched. Yeah, it's just a little yeah. behind the scenes. All Hank and I ever talk about in real life is like complaining about. <laughs> how difficult it is to edit video. You would think, you would think that after 15 years of doing something as a job, I would be good at it. But I actually, I have, you know, really this, this really flies in the face of the 10,000 hours rule because I've spent 10,000 hours editing video <laughs> and I'm exactly as good as I was in 2011. Yeah, you got better. Uh, but then yes. you stopped getting better. I plateaued <laughs> really early. <laughs> you, you haven't been like trying to do new things with video editing. Like I remember there was a time when I like I like I'm gonna make a kinetic typography music video for the Quark song. Yeah, and I like learn how to do that. But uh, we are done with that at this point. I am better at like going to Storyblocks and finding a bunch of clips to use than you are. But that's about it. Like I don't. Yeah. Like, there there isn't much difference between how we edit videos because we're not. We're not video editors, John. We are video writers. That's so true. <laughs> this whole time we... we I feel like we have gotten better at that. Like I look at our old yes. videos and like I like I think that they're they're not bad. They're just a lot of uh a lot of oversimplification, I think, at at uh, a lot of points. I think that's there. a generous way of putting it. And I like it. <laughs> I like it when you review our work generously. Hank, let's answer some questions from our listeners, okay, beginning with this one from Nadge, who writes Dear John okay. and Hank. It seems like a lot of work to terraform a planet. Nadj, before I get to the rest of your question, I just want to acknowledge the deep, profound truth of this. Like, yes. we're having trouble terraforming this planet 
which our bodies well, do, were just made doing for. it by accident. Yeah. And so given how I would say so far the results of the human terraforming of the human planet have been mm. mixed. I, well, yeah, I wouldn't call what we're doing here terraforming. It's more like we are attempting to terra, like maintain. Yeah. And we can't even do that. Yeah, we are struggling. We can't even keep Earth Earth. Yeah, it's not like we're planting new turf. We're just trying to yeah. mow the lawn every now and again, and we can't even do that. So yeah, I share yeah. your concerns here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Wouldn't it be What's the better, rest of the question? Nadj asks, uh, uh-huh. to bioengineer uh-huh. a human who is specially adapted to Mars mm. rather than to engineer the whole stinking planet just to support our silly human bodies? Check my badge, Nadj. I don't hate it. Um, and there has been talk about this with regards to like in space living mm-hmm. more than on Mars living. So like there there are a number of challenges to in space living. Like, you know, you got a lot of cosmic radiation that's going to like make you much more cancer prone. You've got the whole situation regarding weightlessness and how that affects it's not great bone for your density bones. And, yeah. and your eyes and your blood and, right. and your blood pressure and all this stuff. Um, so there's a lot of different health consequences. And so, like, you know, if we're going to have people living in weightlessness, we are going to have we're going to have to engineer them to be good at that. Um, there are ways to create artificial gravity in space, though, which is well, actually a lot easier than terraforming a planet. The problem with um, terra, like genetically engineering a human to live on Mars is that like maybe you could genetically engineer a human to live in a colder place, mm-hmm. but you can't genetically engineer a human to not need oxygen. And to not need like air pressure to force the oxygen into their blood so that they can metabolize. Like we, we are not, there, there is not a way of doing this without an, like at least, you know, a good hunk, like 20% of an atmosphere of oxygen. Yeah, Maybe we need 10. some atmosphere. You need at least 10% of an, of an, of our atmosphere of oxygen. Just not like, like a, just like a good restaurant, you know? Like you're never going to succeed as a restaurant unless you have some atmosphere. You got to It's like Applebee's has that whole sort of uh, (laughs) we have a lot of things on the wall vibe. And the Cheesecake Factory has that whole vibe of like, um, you know, you're sitting on a in a nice banquet and the menu's 72 pages long. Like you got to have some kind of atmosphere, some kind of vibe that works. And Mm. Mars ain't got it. Just to be clear, when I say. Uh, 10% of the atmosphere. I'm not saying 10% of the oxygen we're breathing now, but 10% of the unit of measurement of an atmosphere. Are we still talking about whether Applebee's has a good vibe or are we talking about whether we can live on Mars, which is like, this is all (laughs) irrelevant. Like, it's not like we're, it's not like we're super close to being able to have, create an atmosphere around Mars that has all of the oxygen yeah. at that where there's a number of challenges. We are not in the neighborhood. Like, so when you say like, Oh, I don't think we could ever genetically engineer human beings to not need oxygen. Like me neither, but we're not, we're not in the other neighborhood. Like we're not in the neighborhood of terraforming Mars or in the neighborhood no, of, we can't, of, of we can't gen- do either of those. engineering humans. Now, now you could, you could imagine a Mars on which there is, you know, a little more atmospheric pressure and you walk around with a breather instead of walking around in a whole suit. And that would be better. Um, but the idea, like the terraforming, terraforming Mars project requires a, um, a outlook that is not on a human like lifetime scale. Like you have to be thinking about the human experiment scale where there have mm-hmm. been humans for 200,000 years on the scale of 200,000 years. If we have 200,000 years to terraform Mars, we could probably do it, but that's what we're looking at. Like the, like it's going to be a thousands of years long process. If we, if we decide to terraform a planet, I think, but maybe I'm not, saying, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a way to do it that, you know, is based on technology that we don't really understand yet. But what are you saying, John? I'm saying that if we're taking a 200,000 year yeah. time horizon, then I think Nadge's question is completely legit. Like, Nadge, we don't know which of these things that we cannot do oh, yeah. and that will take many thousands of years to even consider doing in any serious way is better. <laughs> like, we don't know. Yeah. Well, here's There's what no, I- we don't we don't know. We don't know that, like, what's essential to humans is our it's ability true. to make uh 
oxygenate blood. Like it's definitely essential to me. <laughs> like I, I would be bummed out uh, in a really significant way if my body lost the ability to do that. But 150,000 years from now, Hank, for all I know that we, we the, the humans of the future could be the size of uh, my thumbnail. It's true. It's true, and they could—they maybe could just be like colonized by photosynthetic bacteria that that generate all the oxygen we need. Maybe just with sunlight. Speaking of that, Hank, and I think we have finally answered Nadja's question, so we can tra- begin to transition away from it. I have a question for you, which is: okay. Would you rather be one of these photosynthetic beings that just has green skin, or would you rather yeah. be a photosynthetic being that's colonized by green algae, like covered in green algae, like? Like the swamp thing. Um, well, I don't. I, yeah, when you said colonized, I'm I pictured like inside of all of everything, not like dripping off of us. But but here are the two options: you can either have green skin, or you can have your entire body be full of photosynthetic algae. I'm gonna have green skin. Which they which they did recently, John. Two tadpoles. They put photosynthetic cyanobacteria into the tadpoles, and they found that in a zero-oxygen environment, they were able to survive when a light was shining on them. So we're not that far away. Who knows? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe we just have to create photosynthetic people. Maybe there isn't enough light on, on Mars, but instead, you just create giant, extremely like super bright lights that shine onto your chest all the time. And you can't see them because they're just like a patch. That's there, and it's just generating oxygen in your blood without you having to breathe. We don't need breathing anymore. The future is now. Well, the future is still the future. So just to summarize, you started out saying there's no way we can genetically engineer humans not need oxygen. (laughs) And you landed in, this is probably much better than terraforming Mars. (laughs) 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 That was a good party. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, it, would be, it would be hard to create that much. It's oxygen. all going to be hard, but, dude. I mean, what? What are you talking? We, we can barely fly a helicopter there. Like, of course, it's going to be yeah. hard. Mm, it's true. John, this next question comes from Annie, who asks, "Dear Hank and John, I am nearsighted. I have terrible vision. The other day, I was doing my makeup in front of a large living room mirror without my glasses, and I realized objects far away from me in the room are still blurry when I look at them through the mirror. When my nose is two inches away from something, as it was to the mirror, I have 20/20 vision. So therefore, the mirror must be reflecting the image of objects and the room and the distance of those. How is that possible? How do mirrors work? If you don't know the answer, can we please still talk?" about this because I'm kind of freaked out, but I'm also okay. Mirrors, John, can I explain to you? I will try to explain this in as few words as possible. Yeah, because I have, I have often wondered this myself. I mean, I, I think I have an idea of why, but explain it to me in fewer than a hundred words. Okay. I'm going to do it in less than 10. Mirrors are not pictures. Okay. So you're telling me that a mirror is not a photograph that my eye sees. If yes, if if the if if the mirror took a picture of you, like if it was a video, like if the mirror took a video and like just reprojected the video, um, then you w- would be able to see everything. If it was like a retina display and it was everything was perfect, you'd be able to see everything as if it weren't blurry. But that's not what ha- what is happening. The light is go- is bouncing off the mirror and then spending all of that photon time to have those different like wavelengths separate out from themselves because your your lens is not perfect in your eye and they all get fuzzy the same way that it would if it was actually far away from you because the, the light is actually traveling which is why mirrors are so like important mythologically you know they're they they are kind of like portals into another world it's just that the other world is happens to be what is directly behind you yeah they're magical yeah, I guess that makes sense. So basically, mirrors are not photographs, and if they were, then I could see everything crisply, but they aren't, so I can't. Mm-hmm. What would you see in the are... in the mirror of Erised? Oh, um, I think in the mirror of Erised, I would probably see me holding uh, my next book that I have finished instead of not even started. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting, though. I I would have thought something else. I would have thought you are holding some prize or some diamond play button or something. But no, you have a literary 
your deepest ambition is literary. Maybe, I don't know. That's what I spend most of my time thinking about when I have time to think. Yeah. Um, well, it's my but, preferred hobby. I mean, yeah. if I could only do one thing with the rest of my life, it would definitely be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I did recently. This is so this is weird, John. I don't know if this was I don't know. I don't know if this is weird or not. I recently wrote a song. I wrote a chorus to a song and then I looked at it and I was like, this isn't really a Hank Green song. Um, and I so I sent it to a band that I like. <laughs> and I was wow. like, here, if you want this um that it seems more like your a you song than it does a me song um and they they wrote back and they said yeah interesting we'll see uh but i so i have no but i like i liked that so much where i was like i wrote this and now i've let it loot free yeah and if they want it then they can use it and if not then but like if they like recorded that song it would make me very happy yeah well so i think what you're saying is that you would like to write a book, but you don't want to publish it under your name. You're just going to give it to me and let me make all the royalties. And I, <laughs> I say yes, Hank. I say yes. People would be like, wow, this guy discovered plot. <laughs> Where did that come from? It's oh, my God. I'm reading, I, yeah, I'm reading a book right now that has such a good plot. And I'm like, I, I'm just very, I feel very inadequate. No, oh, the I problem mean, with reading really good books. Yeah, do you? I well, I guess when I read really good books, I don't. I used to get that feeling of like authorial jealousy, where you think like, "Oh, I wish I could do that." And now I don't. Now I'm mm-hmm. just like, "Poof!" I mean, what are you going to do? Like, some people are just better. <laughs> I mean, and there are probably things yeah. that I can do, at least in a small way, that they can't do. But also, yeah, you know, the other thing that I've come to in as I've gotten older or this is where I've landed for the moment anyway, is a feeling that um, different different works of art serve different purposes in people's lives. And the a big part of my jealousy, especially when I was younger, was about thinking that art was one thing and it, there was one continuum and the continuum started at bad and ended at genius. And mm. that mm. everything mm-hmm. fit on the exact same continuum in the exact same right. way. And that's yeah. just not how art works. Yep. Yeah, which is why I only like get uh, f- get that feeling when somebody is doing something I'm trying to do <laughs> better than I can do it. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of times I read a book and I'm like, well, I'm not trying to do any of these things. And so I can just enjoy it as a as a viewer. A viewer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as a reader. All right, Hank, we have a vitally important question to get to from Jennifer, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I have been summoned for jury duty. I plan to double mask to reduce the risk of exposing my family to COVID. Now, if I wear my pizza mist mask from last year over my N95 mask, (laughs) am I sending the wrong message about whether or not the lawyers should select me for the jury? Masks and mitigation, (laughs) Jennifer. A little bit of context for people who did not see this mask. It was a mask that essentially tried to recreate my mustachioed face at scale so that when you wear the mask, mm-hmm. it appears that you have my face and my mustache, at least in From your, the, just the bottom half in, yeah. in the mask area. Yeah. But because the scale was slightly off, I would say <laughs> um, what it Depen- actually depending on your size. Yeah, I guess it depends on your size. For most of us, what it actually looks like is like a very slight uh, kind of joker, a mustachio <laughs> joker mask. Like it, it is, I'll, I'll tell you what, Jennifer, I think you didn't answer the most important question inside of your question, which is, do you- What message are you trying to send? Want to be on a jury? <laughs> yeah. uh, look, I think, I think- that juries need a di- diverse candidate pools, and uh, you are sending a message. I am, um, you know, d- d- maybe not your average uh, Jennifer. <laughs> you know, I think that's okay. I I think you should do it. Um, I think you should do it too. But I am also in no and and I should say that I think serving on a jury is a real privilege and it's also one of the great responsibilities of being a citizen of the United States and and other countries where where these things 
happen. And um, I, I think it's I think it's a real honor and that you should take it seriously. I, I'm a big believer in answering the questions honestly. And um, if you're chosen to serve on the jury in performing that service. But none of that has anything to do with whether you should wear a Pizza John mask. And if you like your Pizza John mask, and it's the kind of thing that you might wear sometimes, I think you should yeah. wear it. Absolutely. And I mean, and, and who knows, maybe one of the lawyers is a nerd fighter. Like, the, the, we're old now. It's true. Like, people have been around. <laughs> Pizza John is uh, going to be a teenager soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, we have people who watch our videos who are younger than Pizza John. Oh, this is, oh, oh, man, usually it doesn't get me anymore. Usually I'm like at a place where I've accepted that we are both old and have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. But then like occasionally there's some frames that just do make me. The one that gets me is that we were making YouTube videos before there was an iPhone. Like, I just, <laughs> what, what the hell was going on with us? In, I, sometimes I think about this too. What was going on with us in 2007 where, like, how were we in a position professionally know. or personally to make 230 YouTube videos in a year when the first 150 of them were only watched by like 400 people each? Like, I don't know, especially me. Like, you had books out, right? Yeah, you were I getting mean, book was, royalties? I, I, yeah, and I, I, I was making a living by traveling. So I'd, like, go to Europe and yeah. make some money for a few weeks, like, talking to schools and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, what were you doing? Where was your money coming well, from? Uh, I, I actually, um, so sometimes when you do your taxes, you can see your income for, like, the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. And so, in 2017... Or or something. I actually was able to see what my income was in 2007, and it said that, and I made seventeen thousand dollars that year. And I think I made it mostly doing freelance graphic design and web design, and uh, and making money from my blog. And I think I just you know scraped by, and and you know I, I'm pretty sure that I dipped into savings, John. Yeah, you did. But I never thought about it. It was so exciting. I knew it was valuable. Yeah, that's how I felt too. I could tell that it was a lot cooler than the world was recognizing. Like, I remember going into like Hollywood meetings, you know, and they would want to talk about adapting my books or whatever. And I would I would talk to them about adapting my books. But then the whole time I would be thinking, you know, there's this other thing happening that is very, very interesting Mm -hmm. and frankly, a lot cooler than any of my books. And if anything, you should be like thinking about how to make an abundance of Catherine's as a YouTube series. But, 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 but yeah, (laughs) then it turned out that we were able to to ride that wave and it's been fun and strange. And I'm really, really lucky to still be doing it 15 years later. Yeah. And I, I want to say what a great pizza mess because we haven't had a video since, or a podcast since pizza mess. So thank you to everybody who was, uh, uh, who bought some Pizza Miss merch, but also I just love making a video every three days. And I, I did, and, but I just end up, but also I just love making a video all the time and to like being constantly needing to be in that space of like, what the heck am I going to talk about? Yeah. Um, it's really inspiring. And also uh, it lets me take a, a work break from my work, which I need. Yeah. Loved. Yeah, I loved it too. And I think what 2007 had for us that no time since has had was a sense of profound clarity in the sense that every other day we were making a video. And so the question of what I, what mm-hmm. am I going to do today always had the same answer, which in some yeah. ways gets old for sure. But yeah, it was really clarifying. And so I think mm-hmm. it's fun to go back to that for a couple of weeks we both think it would be fun to go back to that longer, but I suspect it would get, it would get it would old be, in yeah. real life. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we maybe I could go to two, two a week, mm. uh, but I don't think I could have that third. That third one mm. does make it a lot. I don't know. I think it'd get old. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad to have it for two weeks a year. Yeah, for sure. Um, which which reminds me actually that today's podcast is brought to you by Pizzamus. Pizzamus. 
it's no longer happening, so you can't you can't buy anything. It's you cannot participate. Just fifty short weeks away, though. Mark your calendars. This podcast is also brought to you by mirrors. They are not pictures, and light hits them and continues to travel to and, wherever it is going. And of course, today's podcast is most importantly brought to you by Hank's journey from terraforming a planet to micro-engineering hu- new humans. Hank's journey. We all witnessed it earlier today. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Not, not, none of us do, Hank. <laughs> and of course, this podcast is brought to you by the new 2021 MacBook Pro. Uh, it has a little place where you can put a SD card, and that's all we wanted. <laughs> it's all we wanted, Apple. <laughs> Hank and Boy, I wouldn't, did you make a lot of people excited. Hank and I wouldn't take a sponsorship from Apple until now, but now we will. Now we would be open to yeah. it, Apple. But give we us just, a call. Give us a call. <laughs> we felt like we could not take money from you because it was impossible to put a memory card inside of your computers. But now, now we've forgiven you. We also have a Project for Awesome message from Michelle Brenhog to my daughters, Lily and Mira. I've been a nerdfighter since 2009, and I think it's cool that I've been part of this community for your whole lives. I remember watching the P4A live stream in 2010 when I was very pregnant with Lily, Lily meeting John at a signing at the Festival of Books in LA. I love that now you girls enjoy watching Hank Science TikToks and listening to the podcast with me and daddy. I feel so blessed to get to watch you girls growing into thoughtful, creative, and kind human beings every day. You both make me feel so lucky I get to be your mom. I also wanted to say to John and Hank that seeing your kids be part of P4A this year was really special to our family. It made it feel like a big party that we were all having together. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Felt that way nice. for us too. This episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Trobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt, I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. (laughs) Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. So listen, your toilet is massively gross, like it's grosser than you think. In fact, bacteria and viruses can hang around in the toilet bowl even after multiple flushes. And I recently found the easiest way to clean my toilet, Blue Land's Sustainable Toilet Cleaner Tablets. Just drop, watch it fizz, brush, and flush. It is truly that simple. No more scrubbing for hours. Plus, the tablets are plastic-free. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blue Land products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. 
John, this next question comes from Ren, who asks, Dear Hank and John, how do you get good at being bad? Mm. When I first read this, I thought that it was like, um, just like, you know, breaking the rules. Yeah, how do you get good being at being a ne'er do well? But no, in fact, that's not it. Uh, I, I know conceptually that you need to be bad at things before you learn how to be good at them later. But every time I try something new, it is hard for me to keep going uh, if I don't get better quickly. This is normally fine, but I'll be student teaching next semester and real teaching after that. And I'm really, really scared that it's going to be hard for me to not get all torn up at not having the hang of it immediately. Do you have any tips for getting through the beginning stages of learning something? Not Kylo, but Ren. The... The research seems to say that the the thing that drives people through the parts where you are bad at something is the process and and the recognition of getting better. The 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 time that you spend noticing that you are getting better at something is very important to the process of get, of going from bad to not bad at something. Right. That's an interesting observation. That makes that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, yeah. So focusing on the fact that everybody's bad when they start isn't actually that helpful. Mm-hmm. What you need to focus on is that you're getting better. And there's... You have to be thinking about how bad you are at the beginning right. so that you remember that. Yeah, yeah. And then you're also motivated to continue to see that progress if you focus on the progress Mm -hmm. there's an exercise that that so i do pilates um because i'm a big nerd and uh and there's an exercise in pilates that the first time i did it i couldn't do one without getting a cramp Mm. um like an immediate cramp um and like i and i just wasn't strong enough to really do it and now whenever i'm doing that particular exercise and I'm like better at that exercise than almost anything else because I remember like that I couldn't I used to not be able to do it at all and now I could do like 20 of them Hmm. and uh and I and I feel like part of the reason I can do 20 of them is because I'm like I'm good at this one whereas I'm good at all of them I just didn't have that experience of like literally not being able to do it Mm -hmm. when I first tried uh, other exercises and this is the same thing with uh like learning a language where I always feel completely out of my depth in a, in, in Spanish. But if I go and I like take the lessons that I took when I was first learning, I'm like, Oh, I know all of this back and forth. Like none of this is confusing to me at all. Um, and that is always true of the stuff that I learned like two months ago. Mm -hmm. I just have to keep remembering it because I always Mm -hmm. feel like I don't know anything, Mm -hmm. but I know much more than I did. Yeah, I think for me, part of the motivation to get better is also the that there is a feeling of joy or satisfaction or something when things start to click in together. Mm-hmm. And you have to have the feeling of frustration, right? Like this is perfectly captured in video games where you have yeah. to get frustrated by not being able to finish the level in Super Mario Brothers in order to experience pleasure when you finish the level in Super Mario Brothers. And so while I used to get frustrated and then I would stop when it came to writing or when it came to other things, if I'm able to work well now, it's usually that I'm able to work through the frustration and recognize that like the point of frustration is often or the point of intense frustration overwhelming frustration is often the point right before something clicks in this is especially true with writing where i will feel especially if i'm working on an essay or something or a vlogbrothers script or even a no- scene in a novel i'll feel like this isn't going to work i can't find a way through this mm-hmm. and then i'll stand up and i'll get i'll get mad and I'll get frustrated and I'll walk around a little bit and then I'll think, oh, oh, I'm not really writing about orbital sunrises. I'm really writing about why we make art and what we sacrifice to make it. So the ending doesn't have to be about orbital sunrises. It can be about what I'm actually writing about. And those moments of understanding, and I think you have them in teaching. I had them in chaplaincy. I've had them in every career that I've had. Those moments are so fulfilling that they make the frustration that comes before worth it. So that is another thing I look for is have I had any of those moments of things clicking in, clicking into place and 
feeling that satisfaction? And if so, then I can remind myself, well, there are probably other ones that await me if I keep working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like, I've never, um, I've I've never done this in a uh, normal teaching environment, but public speaking is absolutely this way where you just get better at it when you do it. And teaching is, it's wild that like we have an entire profession of like public, of of, like public speaking. It's scary. Uh, That is the number one fear that people have. And, uh, and it is very, very necessary for teaching. And I think it's totally normal to feel intimidated by it. So, but you get better. And like, I'm so much better at it than I used to be. You are so much better at it than you used to be. So am I. But I feel like I've seen more progress than you. I don't know. I go, I, I, I look at like... <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. I, yeah. I look at speeches I made in like 2006, like the, the speech I made to uh, after I won the Prince Award. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't able to stand. I was so nervous. Um, <laughs> and then also like, I don't know, the speech was uh, the speech of a much younger person who has... Uh, Oh, what, you know, Hank, uh, unshakable beliefs. (laughs) Now, (laughs) now I have nothing but shaken beliefs. I'm just a Uh collection of highly shook up beliefs. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Hank, before we get to the all important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, how about one more question? All right. This is a question I have for you because I don't know the answer. It's from Kate who asks, Dear Hank and John, but mostly John, why do football goalies wear such different costumes from the rest of their team? And why don't the colors even have a loose relationship whatsoever to the team's colors? Cordially yours, Kate. Yeah, so this reminds me of something that happened when I was first pitching the AFC Wimbledon movie, which is I was trying to get people excited about the prospect of making this movie, and it all culminates in a penalty shootout where... Uh you know, AFC Wimbledon and Luton Town are in a penalty shootout and only one can go to the football league and Wimbledon wins. Seb Brown saves two penalties. That's the big moment in the movie. And it's the moment where you feel all the feelings. And one of the producers said, I don't understand why there are four teams. And I said, what? And she said, there's the blue team. There's the white team, and then there is this pink team and this green team, and I am confused. And I was like, oh, no, the goalkeepers just wear different colored uniforms. But then as I was saying that, I was like, which is weird. <laughs> like, no, now that you mention it. About, but I, I get why you are confused. So the idea, and it's usually a very bright color, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. the idea is that they need to be easily identifiable to a lot of different people. They need to be easily identifiable to their own defenders who need to know, need to be able to like glance back and see where the goalkeeper is to maybe make a pass to the goalkeeper. But they also need to be like easily identifiable by referees and everything, right? Like if they had the exact same uniforms on and they picked up the ball, because they're the only player who can pick up the ball as long as they're inside of their goalkeeper box. If mm-hmm. And they picked up the ball, like the referee might be like, blow the whistle and be like, you can't do that. Oh, wait, sorry, that was the goalie. So that is the basic reason. And goalkeeper kits tend to be very loud and uh, very easy to see in your peripheral vision for that reason. So the word is kit, not costume? Yeah, or jersey. But the whole whole kit and caboodle is called a kit, like with the shorts and everything. Um, Okay. So, yeah, and you can buy like, you know, you can go to afcwimbledon.co.uk and buy Nick Zanev's uh, goalkeeping outfit and wear it in your house. I I know I do. (laughs) Good for you, John. That's adorable. (laughs) We're all happy for you. We're all happy for you. So does that mean you want to tell us the news from AFC Wimbledon this week? Yeah, let's talk about Nick Zanev. Um, You know, AFC Wimbledon. Over the weekend, went down 2-0 at home to Sheffield Wednesday, as they like to do. And then, Uh as they like to do, they came back and tied the game 2-2. This is, I think, the fourth time we have come from 2-0 down to tie a football game. Almost all of our overall points this season have come from losing positions. AFC Wounded are actually more likely to win a game so far this season if we don't score the first goal than if we do, which is 
<sighs> weird. Um, yep. it, it, it's a topsy-turvy, uh, wild and woolly season. And, you know, these two draws that we've just had in a row have been not great, obviously. Like, it would be better to be winning games. But I've been encouraged. Sure. I think there are encouraging signs. Um, I think on the whole, we still look a lot better than we did this time last season. And so on the whole, I am still feeling optimistic. Ayubasal continues to be a problem that no League One defense can solve. We are getting goals from lots of different players. Uh, Rudy Rudoni uh, is really coming into his own. He's an academy graduate who's been playing for Wimbledon, and he's had a great season so far. So I am feeling hopeful at the moment, uh, even though we have slipped down to 17th place after 12 games. Although, to be fair, I would be overjoyed to finish in 17th place. Yeah. That would um, be well, it's, great. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like this is a, I don't know. We You weren't going to stay up as high as you were. No, um, probably not. And like, it's a long season. I, I, I feel like we've gone through a difficult period We've got some injuries. Will Nightingale, unfortunately, has a very serious injury and is out for three or four months. And he's not just one of our best central defenders. He's also somebody who understands the club so deeply because he's played there since he was nine years old. And that's a bummer. So some of the injuries are worrisome. Ollie Palmer is injured again. But at the same time, if we're getting results with against good teams with things not going our way, I feel like, okay, I can feel, I don't know, hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. How's Mars? Mars is good. Uh, one of the great things about Mars is it's just really hard for it to have a, a exceptionally bad day as a planet um, since... You know, the, the swings aren't very broad, but I don't know, uh, man, those sandstorms. For... It seems like Mars has some <laughs> rough days when like the, the, it doesn't the mind. seven year sandstorm attacks. It does, yeah, that's that's fine. Or the seven point like, six Mars quake. I mean, I feel like... it's like somebody just like somebody tussling your hair. He's a planet. <laughs> Mars is fine. Um, but uh, as for our work on Mars, so when Perseverance uh, landed in, in, in Jezero Crater and started to do all this research. One of the first things we heard was like, we think this is a lake bed. And then when we landed, it was like, this is a lake bed. Now, the you can look at these rocks and like say, these are sedimentary rocks. You can see channels where water flowed. Um, and so like the the people talking about this were like, this is a lake bed. But then the process of science is, then you actually go through and you write papers and you document like specific clues as to how it is the way that it is. And one of those papers got published this week in Science. Um, it is the first paper that was published using data from Perseverance. Um, and it uh, catalogs a bunch of different uh, images that are taken. Um, so some of them are like wider images and some of them are like like micro images. There's actually something called the remote micro imager. Um, and the rover took pictures of of long, steep slopes in in escarpments or scarps, and using all those images, they could they could see how the rocks in the scarps was layered, and they uh, found how that they were inclined horizontally, uh, and they found and that they found that the horizontal layering was very similar to what we see in deltas on Earth. So, like we are looking at a river delta of sorts um, that mm. was probably formed by uh, repeated flash floods, rather than like mm. a long sort of Mississippi River kind of situation. Mm. So it's so, not like uh, it's not like uh New Orleans River Delta or the Nile yeah. River Delta. It's like a river delta closer to somewhere in the American West, say, that doesn't get a lot of water or consistent water flow, but then has really high volumes of water yeah. come through it occasionally. Yeah, and there, you know, there are lots of different stories of how Mars could have been, but but one of the things it seems likely is that it was sort of like warm and wet. And then as time went on, you had sort of these periods of freezing, but then like the, the, these giant glaciers melting and that would, that, you know, glacier melt often creates big dams of ice that then break and you have mm. flash flood situations mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I don't know, uh, you know, there, the, uh, the, the research is, 
continuing. And it is a complicated story that covers uh, hundreds of millions of years. Uh, but we now have the paper that actually says the thing that we've been saying for a long time, which is, this is a lake bed. Uh, and there was a lot of water here that did a lot of things over a long period of time. Is there a chance, and I think I've probably asked you this before, but is there a chance that like 800 million years ago, Mars was a better place for life than Earth and that maybe complex life flourished and then went extinct on Mars? I mean, yeah, there there is definitely a chance. I don't know exactly what would make Mars a better place than Earth, but, you know, one of the one one of the things that will be very exciting if we ever find um ancient or current you know single celled life on mars is we will then be able to check very easily to see whether it is closely re- mm-hmm. like whether, whether it is related at all mm-hmm. to earth life mm-hmm. and um and there is a, a lot of thought that that is sort of as likely as not um yeah. that that life even even if we have it multiple times in our solar system still only evolved once and uh, was able to jump from place to place once it did. Yeah, I mean, that but might we be... could all be Martians. It could have happened on Mars first. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know which would be more astonishing to me. I guess it would be more astonishing to see a whole different path for life yes. to evolve and yes. be able to imagine a different model of life, like which we kind of can't even do now because mm-hmm. yeah. it's so there are so many unknown unknowns about it. But Mm-hmm. It would also be very cool to find out that we're all Martians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would. I, I guess that would be the more disappointing outcome, but it would be, I, I, it would still be a really interesting Tuesday, you know, if NASA made the announcement <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we think this is older than all the Earth life, so we think that we're mm-hmm. Martians. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. All right, Hank. Well, thank you for potting with me. Thanks to everybody for listening. We're off to record our Patreon-only podcast this week in stuff at patreon.com slash dearhankandjohn. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Julia Bloom. Our editorial assistant is Debuki Chakravarti. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.